0: The Chicago-based nonprofit has five doctors on the ground in Gaza working to save civilian lives as Israel continues airstrikes that have so far killed nearly 2,700 people and injured thousands more. MedGlobal provides health care to disaster areas around the world, and Dr. Zahir Salul has been leading this work for 12 years in Syria, Lebanon, and Ukraine, among other places. He's a critical care specialist at Advocate Christ Medical Center in St. Anthony's Hospital, as well as an associate professor in clinical medicine at the University of Illinois, Chicago. Hi, doctor. Good to have you back on reset.
1: Uh, Good morning, Sasha. Thank you for having me.
0: As I mentioned, your colleagues are in Gaza right now, they're supporting hospitals. Tell us what you're hearing from them. What are they seeing?
1: Uh, It's overwhelming to everyone in Gaza and anyone who is watching what's going on there. Um, The doctors and nurses are very tired, exhausted by the sheer volume of number of uh, severely injured patients, especially children. Uh, So far, more than 900 children have been killed. Um, And uh, Dr. Hussam Abu Safiya, who uh, is the lead pediatrician in um, Kamala Duan Hospital, this is a hospital that we support in northern Gaza, told me that the emergency room, and he sent video, which is horrible and very gruesome of uh, children uh, who are burned completely. Uh, Some of them are glued to the body of their mom. Um, All of them are dead. Um, The emergency room floor is full of patients bleeding and Mm. in shock. Um, Every um, exam bed has three or four uh, children who are Streaming. some of them are in complete shock, uh, bleeding, um, and there's very limited resources to manage this uh, ex- uh, influx of, of severely injured patients. You know, the, the situation because of the blockade that you have very minimal medical supplies and medications for pain and anesthesia um, and suture kits and surgical kits, uh, these are the things that doctors need yeah. to take care of their patients.
0: Yeah, and, and we'll dig into some of that just uh, just a bit more, Dr. Uh, and just to to paint you know a visual picture for those who aren't familiar, I mean there there are only uh, two ways in and out of the Gaza Strip, right? It's it's inhabited by more than two million people, so there's a lot of people on a small space. Half of them children.
1: Exactly, right? uh, one point one million uh, children, uh, to point 2. two million crowded in one forty square miles. Right, uh, I've been in Gaza four times and the only access to Gaza is two border crossing one of them from Israel areas border crossing and the other one is from Egypt Rafah crossing both of them are closed that means these people are stuck um, and everything is um, now um, completely blockaded uh, water fuel uh, medicine medical supplies um, and electricity is caught internet is very weak and sporadic Um, So the situation is beyond catastrophic. Mm -hmm. Uh, This is the worst I've seen in the last 12 years since I've been doing uh, medical relief in disaster regions.
0: What's the emotional state then of the doctors there in Gaza?
1: I mean, our doctors here during the COVID pandemic had many of them and nurses burn out because of the large number of sick patients. uh, And we had, especially in the early states of the pandemic uh, minimal uh, uh, resources to treat them so you can um, 50% of the of the nurses in San Antonio's hospital quit in the pandemic. So you can imagine what's going on right now in Gaza. Not only that you have this large number of injured patients, many of them are children, but also you, you don't, you're you not sure whether you will live for one more day to take care of them. Many of the doctors lost their homes uh, because it was bombed, uh, at their houses. And the, yesterday I saw uh, the video of Dr. Wadir Al-Khudari in Al-Shifahat who lost his fa- father, and brother and he was crying. Mm. Um, so um, the mental health trauma on healthcare providers, of course, on patients and their families is huge. And, and, and the only thing that we can do to support them is, is of course to stop the bombing, but also to provide them with uh, medical supplies, with medication so they can manage their patients. And also, when this evacuation um, instruction or order um, was given uh, a couple of days ago, it's impossible to do evacuation of 1.1 1. 1 million people in a very small space uh, in Gaza. Mm-hmm. Patients cannot be uh, transported if they are in the intensive care unit with uh, w- uh, with, with these circumstances.
0: And it's by understanding that MedGlobal was already working in Gaza before the war because of a medical crisis. So talk just a little bit about what life was like in Gaza before last week.
1: Um, we actually were supposed to send a medical team of 20 physicians this week, but of course we had to cancel it because there's no way to access Gaza. Uh, Gaza is um, a beautiful place, uh, a lot of culture. Uh, there is some diversity. Uh, it has several cities. Uh, there is um, People thrive despite of the circumstances and the fact that they have a blockade for more than 15 years and four wars that they witnessed. Uh, you you see children playing in the streets, but they have very limited resources. I mean, compared to Israel, which is the occupying uh, force, um, uh, Israel has poor access to health care. They have less doctors, less nurses, less hospital beds, less ICU beds compared to Israel. Mm-hmm. My hospital, Christ hospital, has more ICU beds and more ventilators than the whole Gaza Strip. So you can imagine the situation that you have two point two million people. Many of them have chronic disease. Many yeah. of them need medical care, and they cannot have treatment for cancer. They have to get permits so they can get, go out to treat the cancer patients. Um, it's a it's a horrible situation before the crisis, and now you have the war on top of that.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, the the president of Egypt said yesterday that uh, humanitarian aid is going to flow into Gaza and the border will open for some people who want to go out, mostly those who have foreign passports like U.S. citizens who are in the region. But that hasn't happened yet. And and you've talked about what effects the blockade has had on, on resources. I'm curious the types of decisions the doctors down there are having to make.
1: Um, we we face the same thing and uh, dilemma in uh, early in the pandemic uh, and uh, also when we have disasters here in the U.S. hospitals go through the same uh, problem. You have to ration. Uh, you have instead of uh, uh, giving um, four milligrams of morphine to your patients who has. Uh, um, um, severe pain. You c- you can give them one milligram instead of giving uh, you know medication every four hours. You can give every one hour instead of doing dialysis three times a week. You can do it once a week. Uh, there was a scarcity of dialysis kits even before this crisis, so that means many patients who need uh, he- hemodialysis will die within one week or so if there's no dialysis happened to them. So rationing, um, um, using alternative means to Mm -hmm. treat the patients is something that we've done here um, in the pandemic, but it's being done every day in Gaza. Uh,
0: Doctor, we've seen reports of hospitals and ambulances being targeted by airstrikes, something that we know is illegal under international law. Is that something that you've dealt with before while working in war zones?
1: Oh, definitely. This is something that, unfortunately, the warring parties started to do more frequently than before the World Health Organization started to document uh, the attacks on health care. Because of the Syrian crisis, I was in Aleppo during the peak of the crisis, and I witnessed the bombing of hospitals by the Russians and by the Assad regime in Aleppo and many other places. We had to work in underground hospitals or hospitals uh, but that were inside caves. Uh, to protect our patients and hospitals uh, but also we're seeing it in Ukraine I just came back from Ukraine 2 weeks ago and we've witnessed the the, uh, the brutality of the Russian army um, there's documented 1000 attacks on healthcare in Ukraine mm-hmm. so far the WHO documented more than 40 attacks on healthcare in Gaza in the last 7 days on ambulances uh, on hospitals um, unfortunately 15 medics were killed and dozens were injured uh, because of this uh, attacks on health care. That means you as a physician and as a nurse uh, that you are practicing in Gaza, you don't know whether you will live to take care of your patients or not. Mm-hmm. This is something that is secured for 150 years because of the Geneva Convention and any attack on health care and under, undermine medical neutrality.
0: Yeah. Well, tell us more about that. What, what are the, the most pressing needs of Palestinians in Gaza right now? What is different this time?
1: Uh, this is the worst uh, crisis or catastrophe that uh, is uh, being witnessed by the palestinians and the region uh, in the last 50 years or so the scale of the um the war and uh, the expectations uh, is beyond any other war that we've witnessed the displacement potential displacement of one million uh, palestinians again is something that is very traumatic these are the descendants of refugees who came to gaza from their home historic homeland uh, 50 years ago, and now they are facing another displacement. So you can imagine the trauma, besides the fact that you have many uh, innocent civilians, especially children who did not choose to be born in Gaza or live in Gaza mm-hmm. or have uh, been ruled by uh, this party or that party in, in Gaza and being killed and traumatized. So this is a huge situa- uh, uh, catastrophe. What is needed at this point is to stop the bombing. So mm-hmm. anyone who has influence in this situation, our government, especially, and our policymakers, they should be working really hard to stop the bombing and the war. Secondly, to allow humanitarian aid to get into Gaza from Egypt or any other place, which is basically Israel. Um, this is, the, the Israel is responsible for the welfare of the Palestinian people. Uh, Gaza's air and, um, and and land and sea is controlled by Israel. Uh, so uh, food and medicine and water, clean water, should be getting into Gaza. Uh, right now, Gazans are, Palestinians in Gaza are drinking polluted water. That means there is a potential of uh, uh, outbreaks uh, um, from, from cholera, from waterborne diseases. So that will add to the complexity of the situation and unnecessary death of civilians. Mm-hmm. Anything that can be done to allow humanitarian aid from Egypt should be done. Our government should be hard uh, working hard with the with the Egyptian authority to allow humanitarian aid and also to evacuate patients from Gaza, because there is no way that hospitals in Gaza will take care of that large number of critically
0: ill patients. Yeah, and as we, we've mentioned, Israel has called for the evacuation of more than a million residents in the north, it's, uh, it's, it's widely expected. That Israel is going to send in troops to begin a ground invasion of the territory very soon. Um, uh, the army has called up more than 300,000 um, reservists. Uh, tanks and other equipment are being amassed. So, if Israel does put boots on the ground in Gaza, what impact do you think that could have on your doctors and, and the people over there trying to uh, the, they're trying to treat?
1: Yeah, I mean, people think that evacuation is like flipping a switch. Uh, you know, when, when we had uh, Hurricane Katrina in uh, in New Orleans, uh, it took four or five days to evacuate patients from few hospitals to hospitals in the United States uh, using the helicopter. Some of the patients died in the transportation. Uh, so uh, imagine transporting 3,000 patients from the hospitals in northern Gaza to hospitals in southern, southern Gaza that are completely full. There's only 800 beds in southern Gaza. So there's no beds to receive patients. And it's impossible to transport patients, uh, kids on ventilators or newborn and incubators. So it's logistically, it's impossible. So that will add to the uh, hardship on, on the physicians. Uh, they refuse actually to, uh, to evacuate their hospitals because it's impossible. Uh, the main responsibility for the doctors is to make sure that their patients during t- transportation are safe. And mm-hmm. it is right now not safe. Uh, so this evacuation is impossible to, be, to happen and uh, unfortunately going to lead to um, many um, innocent lives to be lost.
0: So, Will there come a time when, when Med Global has to pull out of the region? like what would that look our, like
1: our, our patients our, our uh, staff and doctors and nurses are local palestinians who were born in gaza and live in gaza um so um so far i mean our priority of course is their safety and yeah. luckily they are still safe
0: but uh, they know their way around that makes a difference
1: course. yes yes i mean they're from the local community and they are supporting their local community
0: what can people here in chicago do to to stop the killing of civilians i mean how can we support this work that you're doing to, to save lives in this uh, war zone
1: i think there's a lot of things that we can do and um, people sometimes just look to the news and become desperate but there's a lot of things that we can do we can of course donate to medglobal uh, you can look at our website and uh, look at what we are doing in gaza and other places in ukraine and Syria, and, uh... colombia and ecuador and donate uh... medglobal.org um, you can attend our conference in November 4th and 5th here in the Marriott, Chicago. We're discussing the impact of war on health in Ukraine and Gaza and other places and disasters on health. And also you can advocate on behalf of the Palestinian people and try to be as morally consistent as you can. You know, We condemn the violence that happened to the civilians in Israel, but we also condemn the violence that is happening at the Palestinians in, in Gaza, mm-hmm. calling our policymakers and to tell them that you need to be Uh, even-handed that you have to um, uh, not uh, to dehumanize one side on the the expense of the other side, because that will lead to a tension in our own communities here. Faith leaders should play a major role in easing the tension and praying for peace, and we have not seen that yet. Jewish, Christian, Muslim, faith leaders should be Talking about peace and easing the tension and praying for the people uh, in Israel and people living in Gaza.
0: You mentioned the need for, for donations, Doctor. Before you go, tell us what specific supplies doctors need on the ground.
1: Um, right now, our priority is to provide um, uh, food for the healthcare providers and IDPs, uh, more than one a half, mil, half a million uh, Palestinian displaced inside uh, Gaza who are living in hospitals and schools uh fuel for uh, electricity for the generators in the hospitals of course medical supplies and medications pain medications antibiotics iv fluids mm-hmm. um uh, the chest tubes um kits uh, orthopedic kits uh, vascular um, um, uh, supplies anything that is used to treat trauma patients is needed and our team in the ground has been uh, procuring that locally of course it's impossible to get it from the outside and distributing them in the hospital And we have a long list of supplies if anyone is interested uh, to look at them, but uh, cash money is at at this point is needed.
0: Dr. Zahir Salul is a local physician at Advocate Christ Medical Center in St. Anthony's Hospital, as well as president of MedGlobal, that's an international nonprofit providing health care to disaster areas.